Welcome to Episode 3 of the Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth podcast. Greetings, I'm your host, Dr. Paul Felter. In these podcasts, we put to practice the Apostle Paul's command in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved of God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Only through right division will you understand the body of Christ, our purpose, our destiny, and our uniqueness in all of Scripture. In this episode, we're going to cover Acts chapters 1 through 7. But first, we'll begin with a parable given by the Lord Jesus Christ about the fig tree. We find that in Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. Then we'll look at Acts chapters 1 through 6. Then chapter 7 of Acts, which is the fulfillment of the parable. Next, the fall of Israel, which began in Acts chapter 7. So, let's get right into it. In previous episodes, we've talked about the middle wall of partition that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 3. And what we want to do here in the first seven chapters of Acts is determine whether that middle wall of partition is still in force, is still there. The correct answer is critical to our properly understanding this portion of Scripture. If the middle wall of partition is still in effect, then the church, the body of Christ, is not present. Because in the body of Christ, there is no middle wall of partition. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So before we examine Acts chapters 1 through 7, we must learn a parable given to us by Jesus that explains the purpose of the first seven chapters of Acts. Let's turn to Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. He, that's Jesus, spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then he said unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, if not then, after that thou shalt cut it down. Now, this is the parable of the fig tree, and the interpretation of the parable is really pretty straightforward. The fig tree is Israel. God planted the fig tree in his vineyard, that's in the earth. Jesus visits the fig tree and finds no fruit. In other words, they are not following the true word of God, and they do not accept him as the Messiah. For three years, during the duration of Jesus' earthly ministry, he's looking for fruit, but finds none. After that, Jesus says, cut it down. It's a burden to the ground. But God the Father, the dresser, says, let's give it another year, and he will work with it and see if it bears fruit. Then after that year, if it doesn't bear fruit, cut it down. So that's what the first seven chapters of Acts is all about. It's a one-year extension given by God to Israel for them to accept Jesus as their true Messiah. If Israel does not accept Jesus, in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen testifies before the rulers of Israel in the Sanhedrin, then they will be cut down as a nation. So let's take a look in Acts chapters 1 through 6 now, in each chapter to determine if Gentiles or the body of Christ are present. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, And when they, therefore, were come together, They asked him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? So just prior to Jesus' ascension, Peter asked the Lord if he would at that time restore the kingdom to Israel. 
This is a reasonable question, as they have been preaching the gospel of the kingdom now for three years. And Jesus now has risen from the dead. Surely now he has the power and authority to restore the kingdom to Israel. Since the kingdom was promised to Israel and not to Gentiles, this only makes sense. And there is still a clear distinction between Jew and Gentile, as Peter is talking about a kingdom unique to Israel. Acts chapter 2. Peter is preaching to Jews and proselytes. There are no Gentiles in sight. Acts chapter 2 verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Acts 2.14 But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. Again, Acts chapter 2, verse 36 And therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly, that God hath made that same Jesus, whom he crucified, both Lord and Christ. Acts chapter 2.10 clearly states that everyone there at Pentecost were Jews and proselytes. Any Gentiles present had previously converted to Judaism, so the distinction between Jew and Gentile is still present in Acts chapter 2. Now, I'm not going to address the issue of the church starting in Acts chapter 2. We'll do that at a later time. But what we want to see now is simply, is there a distinction being made in Acts chapter 2 between Jew and Gentile? If there is, then the middle wall of partition is still there. It still exists. Therefore, the body of Christ cannot exist. For right now, let's move on to Acts chapter 3. But when Peter saw it, he answered and said unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man well, or made this man to walk? Peter is still talking to the men of Israel. He is not talking to Gentiles. In these first three chapters, we don't see any Gentiles in the audience. Let's look at chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or name have you done this? So Peter and John, called before the high priest, were commanded not to preach in the name of Jesus in Jerusalem. The setting is still entirely Jewish. Acts chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, and to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So here Peter proclaims that the crucifixion of Jesus was for the repentance of Israel. Gentiles are not yet part of God's plan of salvation. Very interesting. Acts chapter 6. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So here again we see those saved were in Jerusalem, and they were Jews, not Gentiles. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, we read, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do you. Stephen was testifying before the rulers of Israel about their continuing rebellion against the Holy Ghost. For his message about Jesus, their Messiah, 
he was stoned to death. This extension of mercy up to the stoning of Stephen gave Israel an additional year to repent and accept Jesus as Messiah. That's what it's talking about in the parable we read in Luke. But they did not. They rejected Stephen's message, proclaiming Jesus as Israel's Messiah. Their judgment is clear. Cut it down. In Acts chapter 7, the fall of Israel begins. Also here in Acts chapter 7, God is dealing with Israel exclusively, not the body of Christ. There's no Gentiles in sight. So let me summarize what we've covered so far. The middle wall of partition and the law of Moses are still in force through Acts chapter 7. Therefore, the body of Christ could not exist during the first seven chapters of Acts. Did the church, the body of Christ, really begin in Acts chapter 2 with the coming of the Holy Spirit? This is what we are told by most preachers, teachers, and scholars, but is that true? The body of Christ did not exist in the first seven chapters of Acts. The Apostle Paul is not saved until Acts chapter 9. No one in Acts chapters 1 through 7 has a ministry to take any gospel to the Gentiles. The middle wall of partition is clearly still present. Therefore, the church, the body of Christ, cannot be present in Acts chapters 1 through 7, as there is no distinction in the body of Christ between Jew and Gentile. But doesn't Peter mention the church? Yes, he does. This is an assembly of Jewish believers that have accepted Jesus as the Messiah of Israel. They are not the body of Christ, as I will discuss in the next section. Remember, the word church simply means an assembly. Just because you see the word church in Scripture does not mean it's referring to you, the body of Christ. So we need to answer the three basic questions here in these chapters pertaining to right division, pertaining to any valid, useful Bible study. Number one, who is speaking? The primary voice in this seven chapters is the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Peter and the writer Luke. Who is the intended audience? Obviously, that's Israel and the Jews. Acts 1-7 through is entirely Jewish. Jewish apostles, Jewish feast, Jews from the entire region carrying a Jewish gospel about Jesus being their Messiah. Nobody is talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as a means of salvation. What is the time frame or setting? Well, it's post-ascension, giving of the Holy Spirit, the assembly of the Jews believing in Messiah Jesus. And we'll talk about that more. Now, there are many people saved in the first seven chapters of Acts. Thousands of people, in fact, believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Now, what are they? Since the body of Christ doesn't exist, the Gentile church, who are these people that are saved during Jesus' ministry and during the first seven chapters of Acts? Well, we'll get to that in just a second. Those people Jesus refers to as his little flock. But first, I want to continue with what actually happened in Acts chapter 7, the fall of Israel. In Romans 11, we'll read some verses that will solidify the starting point of the dispensation of grace as being post Acts chapter 7. Romans 11, verses 11 and 12. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, to provoke them unto jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more 
their fullness. The Apostle Paul is asking the question, has Israel stumbled that they should fall? Well, when did Israel stumble? Israel stumbled at the crucifixion of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 23. But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. So the stumbling block for the Jews, or they stumbled at the crucifixion. It was difficult for any Jew to believe that their King Messiah would come and allow himself to be crucified by the Romans. So the Jews stumbled at the cross. So when did they fall? As we read in Acts chapter 7, Israel fell with the stoning of Stephen by rejecting their final offer to accept Jesus as their Messiah. Remember, they were given a one-year extension of mercy in the parable of the fig tree. But their rejection of Stephen's testimony of Christ caused Israel to be cut down. They fell. Paul then states in Romans 11 and 11 that through the fall of Israel, salvation has come to the Gentiles. The progression is the Jews must totally reject Jesus as the Messiah, and then salvation would come to the Gentiles. Israel stumbled at the cross. They fell at the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Following that, salvation came to the Gentiles. And we will see in Acts chapter 9 that the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was saved by God on the road to Damascus, thus beginning the dispensation of grace and the salvation of Gentiles. It was Paul who first took the gospel to the Gentiles as a ministry. We'll talk about Peter talking to Cornelius a little bit later. So in Luke chapter 12, Jesus speaks to the Jews that believe and follow him as Messiah. He is preparing them for the kingdom he's offering to Israel. Remember, John the Baptist, Jesus, and the twelve disciples preached the gospel of the kingdom. At that time, no one knew about the dispensation of grace. It was still a mystery hidden God. Nobody had any clue that there was a 2,000-year church age coming, and that was dependent upon whether or not Israel received or rejected their Messiah. Luke 12, 29-31 and seek not what you shall eat, nor what you shall drink. Neither be ye of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Continuing on in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell all that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupt. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So Jesus addresses those Jews that believe in him as Messiah as his little flock. They are the believing remnant of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Remember that Jesus said he is sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and this is a little flock from the lost sheep. They began during Jesus' earthly ministry and continue into the early chapters of Acts. All those Jews saved in Acts 1 through 8, so to speak, were part of the little flock, Jews that received Jesus as the Messiah. But after that, in Acts chapter 9, they start to diminish, and the dispensation of grace expands through 
the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. But didn't Jesus talk about building his church? Isn't he talking about us, the body of Christ? Well, let's take a look at the passage. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter. And upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 16-18 Jesus states that he will build his church upon the rock of him being the Christ, the Son of God. The word Christ is the English translation of the Greek word Christos, meaning the Anointed One or the Messiah. What church or assembly was built upon the belief that Jesus was the Messiah? The church or the assembly of Jews saved during Jesus' earthly ministry and in the early chapters of Acts. They followed Jesus as Messiah, and they were all Jews. They were the little flock. Also, Peter was the head of this Jewish church in Jerusalem. We, the body of Christ assembly of believers, mostly Gentiles, are not saved by believing Jesus is the Messiah to Israel. We are saved by believing in the atoning death of Jesus on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection on the third day. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4 These are two separate churches during the book of Acts transition period, one of Jews following their Messiah Jesus, the other following Paul and the gospel of grace. Continuing in Matthew chapter 16, we read, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how they must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised from the dead the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he, that's Jesus, turned to Peter and said, Get thee behind me. Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Jesus announces that he must go to the Jerusalem and be killed and then rise on the third day. Peter rebukes Jesus for this statement, making it clear that he does not yet understand the redemption Jesus will secure for mankind on the cross. Peter also knows nothing of the dispensation of grace later to be revealed to Paul. The early believers in Messiah Jesus are the little flock, not the body of Christ. Jesus' proclamation about his church in Matthew chapter 16 is not the body of Christ, but the assembly of Jews believing in Jesus, their Messiah. This assembly of Jews began during Jesus' earthly ministry and continued into early chapters of Acts. This is the church that officially began in Acts chapter 2 with the coming of the Holy Spirit. The contrast between the early believers in Jesus Messiah and the later body of Christ that believes in Jesus as Lord and Savior is clear. Remember, Gentiles were never promised a Messiah, only Israel. The last verse in Acts chapter 2 states that souls were saved that day and added to the church. Is this the body of Christ? Acts chapter 2.47 Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Those saved in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost were all Jews, as we have seen. They are responding to Peter's preaching wherein he criticized Israel for crucifying their Messiah. The gospel Peter preached was the gospel given to the disciples in Mark 
16, 14 through 18, where it says, Repent and be baptized. That is what Peter preached. He did not preach the gospel of grace later given to Paul for the Gentiles. The church the Lord added to that day was the little flock, his followers believing that he is their Messiah. Now understand, they are just as saved as you and I are. So, but the modality is different and the audience is different. It's imperative that you understand the two churches existing at the same time in the book of Acts. Acts is a transitional book moving from the little flock of Jews following their Messiah to the body of Christ following the gospel of grace, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Paul's greeting to the saints at Corinth, we find an interesting passage ignored by most Christians because they have no clue about the dichotomy of the little flock and the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints, with all that in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now, it all sounds really well, and you could easily apply that to just the body of Christ. But what do you do with the both theirs and ours? Paul identifies himself as the author and opens with the standard greeting to the saints. The passage is clear and concise until the phrase both theirs and ours. What does Paul mean by both theirs and ours? In Corinth, there were Jews that believed in Jesus as Messiah. They were part of the little flock. There were also Greeks that believed in the gospel of grace, placing them into the body of Christ. Theirs and ours is the little flock and the body of Christ coexisting during the time period of Acts. The transition from the little flock to the body of Christ is shown in chart number 8 if you have the PDF or the printout or the um, Kindle. But I'll go over it. The little flock are defined by Jesus in Luke 12 verses 29 to 31. The little flock, the speakers are Jesus, Peter, and the apostles. The little flock gospel message is believe and be baptized, Mark 16, 14 through 18, and the so-called Great Commission, Matthew 28. The audience of the little flock are Jews and proselytes. The model of the little flock, these are law-keeping churches. The center for the little flock is Jerusalem. The operation of the little flock is that during the book of Acts, they diminish so that the gospel of grace can increase. Currently, there is no little flock, as that only existed during the time of Jesus and the early chapters of Acts. Everybody today that's saved is saved into the body of Christ through the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now let's compare that to the body of Christ. The scripture passages for the body of Christ are 1 Corinthians 12, 27 and Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. Well, we are referred to as the body of Christ. Our apostle, our speaker is Paul. Jesus and the Holy Spirit speaking through the apostle Paul. The audience is early on Jews, now mostly Gentiles. And the model is not law-keeping churches, but grace churches, for we are not under the law, we are under grace. The early center of the body of Christ, the church, was Antioch and Acts chapter 13. The operation is we began with Paul in the book of Acts and has been expanding ever since. Currently, 
The church, the body of Christ, continues, and it will continue on earth as God's only means of saving souls until the rapture, in which the church is taken out of this world and God once again turns his attention back to the nation of Israel. In Corinth, there were Jews that believed in Jesus the Messiah. They were part of the little flock. There were also Greeks that believed in the gospel of grace, placing them into the body of Christ. Theirs and ours is the little flock and the body of Christ coexisting during the same time period in Acts. Both groups are churches. Both groups are saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Both groups worship God through Jesus Christ, but each has a different gospel message. For the Jew, the good news is to believe in Jesus the Messiah and be baptized. For the Gentile, the good news is to believe in the atoning death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. No baptism is required. Two different Gospels, both pointing to Jesus Christ as Savior, both giving the Holy Spirit to believers. We've learned that Paul's epistles were written to the body of Christ. But what about the epistles of Peter, James, and John? Who are those books written to? We'll answer that question in an upcoming episode. Well, thank you for joining me today. Please check out my website at breadoflife.media. Also, an integral part of understanding right division is to see it laid out in a timeline and charts based on the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I have such a work available in print and PDF format and Kindle called The Master Key to Understanding the Bible. This guide is 44 pages, full color and professionally printed through Lightning Source. The guide has 13 large full color charts displaying the right division concept in great detail. The guide covers the same material as the podcast, but is a must-have companion for this study. Check it out on my website, breadoflife.media. Thank you for joining me today. Until next time, God bless.